Welcome to this edition of Rail Group On Air, our podcast series produced by Railway Age, Railway Track and Structures, and International Railway Journal. This is Railway Age Editor-in-Chief William C. Vantuono. Our podcast here is brought to you by the Commuter Rail Coalition. Thank you very much, Kellyanne Gallagher, for once again facilitating this. My guests are Phil Lang, who is president of the nation's busiest commuter railroad, the Long Island Railroad, uh, and he is joined by Will Fisher, who is the chief innovations officer. We're here to talk about a very interesting uh, application. It's called, it's an improvement actually on the train time app, uh, which is designed for customers and to improve, uh, as uh, we like to say, the customer experience. So Phil and uh, Will, and my name is Bill. So we have Phil, Will, and Bill. Thanks for joining us. If you could give us uh, some background on the train time app. Train time has been something that our ridership has grown and enjoyed. In fact, um, we have 70,000 users prior to this upgrade. And one of the things that we wanted to do was actually take something that our riders really um, valued and, and enjoyed using, and we wanted to prove it. Um, so when I joined the railroad two and a half years ago, uh, some of the concerns that were brought to me directly from riders through many different forums uh, um, was the need for real-time information. The fact is they understood how our system was complex. They understood how um, our ridership was um, uh, very robust and but what they needed to do was to have this information to allow them to make real decisions in their travels every day. Um, and what happened is what we wanted to do is we built out little by little components that ultimately led to this uh, release in June of the upgrade in time. And many features were incorporated over time. But um, initially what we wanted to do was improve for our customers real-time arrival information um, and real-time train location information. And we did that by um, putting our GPS on our fleet, um, that enabled our operation folks to better have the ability to track where the trains were, um, uh, respond to any things that may occur on those trains, but we also were able to take that information from the GPS to the wayside service to the customer um, through announcements, through platforms, uh, and, and on the app to give them real-time uh, arrival information and real-time train location. And the, the, the beauty of the train location and the, uh, the GPS is that it updates uh, so frequently that it is enabling our riders to see exactly where a train is. Uh, anecdotally, uh, when we first launched this, you could be sitting in the train, you'd be sitting in the fourth car, and if you zoom in on the app, you would be able to see exactly as the fourth car approaches the platforms, you would actually be able to see the platform right out the window. So you could see exactly how accurate this information was. Um, but we wanted to take this further. We wanted to take it where um, our customers also knew um, the status of their trip. And we know how planned work. We also know how incidents that occur throughout the day affect the, the train travels and, and the times. Um, and we were able to plot that in real time as well from our operation folks to our uh, public information folks, and through Will Fisher and his team, um, they were able to now enable us to um, show planned work on this same app, as well as unforeseen incidents and how that would affect travels as your train is moving throughout its its path on our infrastructure. Um, and then ultimately, 
using roadway, using infrared sensors, and using our cameras. Um, the innovation team and our IT team were able to take the information and turn that into real-time loading information. Um, and now our customers um, in this COVID world who are looking to social distance can see in real time what the train is approaching, um, how many cars, and each of those individual cars, how many people are on that train, and then they can position themselves in advance of that train arriving um, to, to be able to be aligned with a car that has more space for them if, if that's what they're looking for. And this was something important to us both before COVID uh, because our ridership uh, was continuing to, to break records every year. And that was important during our heaviest times where people needed to find the ability to get on the trains. Uh, but now during the world of uh, COVID-19, um, it enables our riders now, particularly the ones that are coming back um, at first time, a little more sense of comfort. There's a lot of uncertainty in the world. There's a lot of fear still. Uh, and not understanding the virus, people are looking for that ability to social distance. And, and uh, what the team did is they built uh, a user-friendly application, very intuitive, using green, yellow, orange, um, those types of colors to enable riders to actually um, very easily understand that a green car means there's, there's plenty of space to social distance. And this is real-time information. Um, and it's right in their handheld um, device. We wanted them to have that ability. Uh, and everything they did was using existing infrastructure, uh, minimizing the, the cost associated with doing this. We weren't looking to, to build out um, you know, signs across all of our platforms and, and allow customers to have that. This was um, done for literally a few hundred thousand dollars, and it's saving us um, much more in that in terms of operations and even a third-party uh, consultant firm that we used to use to count ridership. Now we have that data, uh, and we can create historical data as well. And of course, the cost of installing uh, extra signage on, on all the stations and all the platforms, especially uh, uh, legacy infrastructure like Penn Station, New York, uh, that, that would have to be horribly expensive. And this uh, really kind of eliminates the, the need to do that because this, you know, the handheld device with everything you need to know, this is where, this is where we're at, really. It's not, uh, it's no longer the future. It's the future has arrived uh, and sooner than, than anybody expected. And now with, uh, with the constraints around or the concerns around uh, social distancing, this makes it even more, more relevant. So let's paint, paint a picture here. I have been a commuter uh, or I was a commuter at going into New York Penn Station for many, many years. And of course, uh, on New Jersey Transit and uh, shared with its, its nearest neighbor, the Long Island Railroad in many aspects. And one thing I noticed about the Long Island Railroad, as well as New Jersey Transit, was at train time, you had people packed, standing around the, the, uh, the, the, the announcement boards. And then everybody, you know, rushing for the staircases and, and trying to crowd down and get that seat on the train. Um, this is a way to, to improve that experience, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, Bill. And I'll let, we'll talk a little bit about the uh, the technology behind it, but what Will introduced in his team was uh, push notifications uh, because 
we heard feedback from our ridership. As you mentioned, Bill, the experience at Penn Station, everyone waiting underneath the board to see what, what track the train was arriving in. Um, and a lot of times they, they may go to the wrong track. Uh, but what we did is we wanted them to have the ability, the same time that the board pushes the track, you can have that push notification set on your app and your phone will then tell you where it is. So you don't have to stand in a crowd, you could stand off, you could bring your feet, but you can even be walking to the station and get that push notification. And you don't have to worry about running to the board to see where your track is, you could go right to the track. Um, so these were things that we felt and we observed and, and as yourself as a rider know, very important to the, the, uh, the folks. Um, knowing exactly where to go, saves them seconds, lets them catch that train, eases their mind in their commutes. Uh, we wanted this ability um, and we wanted it in real time and, and we wanted to make it easy for the riders to have the information. You know, Will could talk a little bit about how uh, the team developed the push notifications. The push notifications, not just do they push the message to your phone, which is nice because then you know you don't have to be checking it, but they push it at exactly the same time that the, that the, the track posts. Because of course, you know, that information is, 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 uh, very time sensitive, right? Because of, it, it, it was certainly pre-COVID, because you would have you know 500 people standing around these these signs, uh, waiting for their track to post during rush hour. And so you know if you're off by a few seconds, now you're in the back of the line, and now you don't have a seat, right? So you know that's why everyone was always staring at the signs, right? Because you know they're waiting for us. You know, as soon as, as soon as that number posts, everyone's kind of running to that to that uh, track. So. Um, you know, we knew that when we made this, we, we, we couldn't design something that had a five or 10 second latency because no one would use it for good reason. They'd say, well, if I'm going to get it 10 seconds later, why should I look at my phone? You know, I'm going to stand in front of the boards. That's the most real time information I can get so that I can get to that track number and can get a seat. So, of course, you know, so with something like this, you know, we, we built it so that if, if you will get a notification exactly, literally the same second that it posts on the board. So, so that's kind of the, you know, the peace of mind that you can have, that you can use this feature, you really can stand anywhere. And as soon as it happens, you'll know. And then you can, in, wherever you're standing, you you know, you can walk to the track. Or if, 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 if it's not, uh, you know, if you're not standing there waiting for, for the track, you know, you're at a, one of the vendors in, uh, in Penn Station, same, same deal, and you can get information straight to your phone. I just wanted to add to that because the track assignments and track information not only is Penn a, a good example, but um, our system, uh, Jamaica Station, is a very big connection point. Um, and a lot of folks coming from the terminals, whether it's Atlantic Terminal, Penn Station, or, or Hunters Point from the west, um, or going to, change at Jamaica. Um, and often, I, I remember just, you watch riders, and you watch how they're wondering if their connection is on time, what platform their connection is on, the app gives the customer the ability to not only see where the train that you're riding on is in the system, but you can see your connection train as it approaches Jamaica as well. It'll also tell you what train your platform on, uh, or what platform your train is platforming on, and what platform your connection train is platforming on. And that enables the rider, again, to know the comfort of, um, can they walk straight across the platform? Do they need to position themselves to go up the staircase, up the escalator, and down to the next platform? Again, this enables our customers to have the knowledge in advance, gives them the ability to be better positioned, um, and then that helps the operation side of the house because now if our customers can better 
get to their train, we're not holding trains as long as we typically would. And for a busy station like Jamaica, where uh, 10 of our 11 branches come through, um, it's not the ripple effect of, of what trains that are coming behind that train as it holds for customers. So um, tremendous value. Um, and the feedback that we get, we're constantly taking a look at how to keep improving the train time map. Well, if you could uh, maybe describe uh, some of the technology behind the uh, behind the train time app and the enhancements that have been done. Let me start a little with the GPS data. So, and, and then I can talk a little bit about the crowding technology. Um, so, the GPS data, you know, you know, when we started doing this, and this is before we were doing the real time real time crowding. Um, you know, we 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 just wanted a better real time location, right? And so. We ended up. What we did was um, we put, uh, and 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 this is you know some other railroad systems do this. I don't know if they do it as extensively, but we we, we put these uh, GPS antennas on um, on every single, basically every single married pair, but um, you know of or every single car of our fleet. So so any given train is definitely going to have. I mean, all the cars are going to have their own GPS antenna. And so you know. Each one of those spits out data every few seconds, um, and that you know you'll take, for example, all the cars on the train, and you know you'll because you know we know which which what are the car numbers you'll you'll, you'll process that, and, and and basically what you'll get is for every train you'll get an update every one or two seconds. You know it's locate it's it's location as of you know half a second ago, it's speed. Um, and it's heading. The heading's not terribly important. Either it's going west, you know, railroad west or railroad east. But but the other two are, are, are pieces of data we basically never had. We used to have, um, uh, you know, we actually our signaling system didn't until very recently didn't even tie into some of our IT systems, right? So the signal system might have an idea, and even then it's only block signaling, so it would have you, know, you could have a pretty large block. Um, you know, the, the, basically the train could be within, you know, a few thousand feet um, or more, and that's all you knew. Um, but um, so, you know, for, for, that's one of the, that's, for example, one one source where we get very uh, good quality sensor data, right? So GPS data and you know, location on, on all our trains. Um, and then, you know, that goes, that goes into our systems. We process that in under a second or something, you know, something very quickly, because again, Again, all this, all the stuff that we have in the app, I mean, almost all of it, um, it, it's, it's very real time, right? Which is to say, it's very time sensitive, which is to say, if I tell you this data 30 seconds later or two minutes later, it becomes much less useful to you than if I tell you it, you know, a second after it happens, right? So if you really want to catch a train, go ahead. Um, I just had a question in terms of uh, uh, GPS signal propagation. How is that handled through the East River tunnels? Uh, and then, of course, underground in, in Penn Station? Uh, how, how, do, how do you handle that? So that's a good question. So um, very little of our network is underground, but like you say, East River Tunnels, for example, is one place where it goes underground. When we do that, we lose GPS. GPS basically doesn't exist underground. We have to rely on the signal system. But that's, again, something that we did two years ago. We didn't have any, any of the signaling, and you know, the signal system was a separate system. It was something that was uh, it was a model board that our block operators would would look at in, in an operation center, and that data went nowhere except for you to be able to see it. You know, 
And now that data in terms of track occupancies actually comes into our IT system. So we we combine we merge this GPS data, and then as soon as we lose the GPS, you know, it goes in as it's going into the tunnel, we combine it with the signal system. And so we can continue to track it. It's not as granular, but it's the best we have underground. And and uh, you know, from there we can we we can continue, you know, tracking the location of this train. Um, and vice versa, as it comes out of the tunnels, we have these, you know, every time it hits a new block, we have these updates. And then as soon as, as soon as the antennas, are, you know, are, have open sky, you know, they come out of the portal, then we start to get, you know, so, you know, updates every one or two seconds. And the handoff from, from the, the, the data generated by the signal system to the, to GPS is, is fairly seamless. Um, it's, it's good. I mean, it's, it's, it's not trivial to do both systems. What's the location and time? To the user, though, it is seamless. Yeah, to the user, it's seamless. To the user, okay. The other is 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 when I came in with Phil. Is um, I started this conversation early because I knew it would take a while. Um, and mind you, this was pre-COVID, and 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 we had reasons we wanted to do this pre-COVID. But you know, I said let's uh, let's figure out a way to get real time real time uh, loading data. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it crowding or loading, right? How many people are in, in every car of the train? Um, on a car level, not a train level. You know, mm-hmm. you know, there's you know, we have we might have up to twelve cars, for example, in a train, and um, you know, each you know, if you, for example, on the platform want to find the train where you, at this time, you know, pre-COVID, the, the desire might have been to find a seat. You know, some of our trips can be long, you know, over an hour, so it's it's nice to have a seat versus not. So if that's it's, uh, that that's you know your preference, and then, then then you would look at the app and you say, I'm going to walk on the platform to where that car is going to pull up with with the free seats so anyway so we we went to the fleet department and you know we basically spec'd out three different three different forms of, of getting this data the, the the way that we do it that is both the most accurate and actually constitutes the largest part of our fleet is we use what's called loadway which is um basically you you uh, the the electric cars actually the fleet already uses this data for, for traction and braking, but um, each of each of the cars has the body of the car actually sits on an airbag, which sits on the truck, which is you know yeah, it's an air suspension exactly, mm-hmm. um, and so that airbag, the pressure of that airbag actually is uh, a very very good indicator of the payload. So if you add five hundred pounds. You know, if you had, let's say, three passengers, that will be registered in the pressure in the airbag. And there is a sensor on that airbag um, to determine, you know, exactly just that. You know, what is the payload? What is the extra weight that's been added to the car? So, you know, during the trip. So um, the, the challenge mostly is to actually get that data not to get the data because it kind of already exists to get it off the cars in real time. And so for that, we, we had to go to Bombardier and, you know, kind of design the software, but eventually we got really good quality data coming off the cars in real time. Every single car will report, you know, what, what its weight is at that time, what the payload weight is. And, uh, and then we'll take that, we'll take those numbers, do some processing. Um, and we spit that out back to the, to the user, I, either, either in the form of the app or the in-station signage. And we also, of course, give it to operations so they can see which trains are, you know, for example, in real time are loaded or not loaded. And each 
each rail car, uh, for those of our, our listeners who are maybe not as familiar with the equipment, uh, there are four, you have two, four, uh, two, two axle trucks on each car. So you've got four axles, yeah. the, the air suspension, how many, uh, how many quote unquote airbags are there per car? Um, it's a good question. There are actually four per car. We get, we get a common, we get about two values per car. So we get, um, you know, the left and the right, we'll average those for the front of the car and the back of the car. We spit it out to users as one value per car, but mm -hmm. the data actually gives us the front and the back. So in theory, you could know that one part of the car is more loaded than the other, but that becomes kind of data overload. So we don't show that we don't, you know, we, we simplify it to by car. Yeah. And these are really pressure sensors. Correct. And to get That's to right. Will's point, it is real time. I know when we first launched us, um, I was taking a train east and you, you can see, I was watching the train. I could see green cars. I could see yellow cars. And I intentionally walked through the train as it was, as moving along to just kind of do my own counting to see if the, the, uh, the numbers are accurate in terms of how many people were in a green car and how many people were in a yellow car, and it truly was. Uh, and the other verification is that uh, at Jamaica or other stations, as the train pulls in, you can see the, uh, the color configurations of the seating, um, and then as people get on and get off, you could see it changing in real time. So it's, it really is quite an amazing uh, tool um, that is user-friendly and, and helps us operationally. Now, there's another component to this system, and you're using infrared sensors for what you call people counting. Could you uh, describe that, Will? Sure. So we have um, on our newest fleet, this was scattered in about 2014. That's when the M9 fleet, which is our newest fleet, was, uh, you know, when they were drawing up the specification for that. And then, of course, it came into service uh, last year. Um, but those had, they were spec'd out with, with um, what are called uh, APCs, which are, which are, like you say, they're people counters and uh, people counting devices. And, and they're these sensors that exist above the doorway and they can kind of, they can tell when someone enters the car or leaves the car. Now, the difference between those and the, and the, and the system I was describing before with the airbags is those will detect changes in the number, which is to say if someone enters a car, okay, they say plus one, if someone leaves a car, minus one. The airbags are always continuously monitoring the number. They're basically saying how many people are in the car right now? Oh, 34. You know, now it's 36. So infrared sensors, um, they can be good for service planning, you know, for, um, for kind of planning purposes, you can see how many people entered and left a car, a station. Whereas the other system, all you can see is, you know, maybe it started with 31 before the station. Now it has 37, which doesn't just mean six people got on. It means, you know, it could be four got off and 10 got on, you know, but you won't know. You know that the difference is six. Uh, with this system, you would know in and out. The problem is, if you get it wrong, the error will accumulate across the, the um, for the duration of the trip. So if one person, you know, five people get on, but you the, the sensor only counted two, it's going to be off by three for the rest of the trip. Because once you once you pass the doorway, the sensor can't see you, so it assumes that five people are in the tr in the train, um, or whatever the number was, two people are in the train. In fact, five people had entered the train. So. You know, each of these each of these systems has pluses and minuses, but you know, pros and cons. But um, 
I think the the beauty of what the team did with the uh, infrared people counters is, as Will mentioned, that was meant for service planning. It was meant for internal use, uh, but they were able to turn that into again real time information that you know, now goes right to the app and for our, our riders. Um, you know, that that was the the nice part about it. Again, part of the fleet that existed and finding a way to repurpose it for today's needs. And then the last uh, is the C3s, our non-powered diesel coaches um, that uh, Will and the team have taken advantage of our security cameras and, and found a way to manipulate that information, uh, encrypt it so it uh, protects you know, the privacy of our riders, but again, to turn that into real-time information so we can provide loading um, for our uh, diesel territory riders as well. So, so, so at the end of this, we're going to have that. That one's not rolled out yet, but should be should be very shortly. So when that all that is done, we should have 100% of the fleet, 100% of the revenue fleet uh, that we're running will have this coverage across three different. You know, we'll be using three different ways to get that data, but the whole fleet and any rider will be able to have this technology on the train pulling up. Um, so we're we're very proud of that. And then we're going to take this data, um, not only for our own operational improvements, but we're going to provide that historical data to the customer on this app as well. And that'll be shortly rolled out as well. And that is another beneficial tool because I might be planning, say, uh, my business told me I'm coming back to work on Monday and I want it to the railroad, but I also want to take the railroad where maybe uh, less seating. We do have certain times of the day, early morning, and the, the PM rush out is still the most crowded. Um, but a rider now can take a look and say, I need to be in by eight o'clock, uh, which trains have historically been crowded for the last few weeks. And that animation is gonna be available, and it's gonna be, again, intuitive, easy for them to see, and they can say, you know what? The train before that had less people. That might be better for me as I get more accustomed to riding, or the train after that was better. Um, and then on the day of, they can again see the real time as it approaches. They could see it even a few stations ahead if they want to look that far out. Um, so a very good tool for planning in advance, very good tool for um, the day of your trip too. So Phil and Will, I would like to make a suggestion. Uh, the Long Island Railroad has been known for years as the route of the dashing commuter. Uh, I'd like to suggest that you change that to the route of the informed commuter. What do you think? You know, we have to change from Dashing Dan to informed Dan and informed Dottie. <laughs> so that's a good idea. We, we've actually modified them and we, we, we have masks on that, our folks. So um, another, another good thing, the informed Dottie and the informed Dan. We'll do that. You know, the other, the other key thing that we wanted to do is because we have a very diverse ridership. We wanted to make sure that this was in multiple languages. And when we rolled this out, uh, the team uh, translated it to folks that spoke Chinese and read Chinese. Um, they translated it to our Spanish uh, readers as well. Um, after we released it, um, some constituents and, and some electors reached out. And, and actually, we have a very strong uh, Korean uh, ridership as well. And now the, the app is also translated for our Korean. Uh, and, and Will tracks the usage. We see very strong usage in these other languages, so we're very proud of that component as well. Um, and then the blindness feature that is on this as well, because ADA accessibility is very big for Long Island Railroad, 
not only from the infrastructure perspective, but from the application that we have here. And, and um, colorblind, this is something that's in there now, and, and other ADA features will be incorporated into this app as we continue to develop them. So um, again, we're very focused on the customer experience, um, the reliability of service, but the information and information to our riders is power, uh, and it gives them the ability to make really informed decisions. And, and that's what our ridership told us, and that's what we've been focused on, um, you know, both from addressing infrastructure, which I think every commuter rail in, in the, uh, the North America and the world is focused on, but we wanted to give the customer the power to make decisions, and this tool um, is, is truly uh, something I'm proud of that the team pulled together. Um, and I'm glad that we were able to, to provide real-time loading uh, first in North America, Bill. Yeah. Now, looking ahead, and this may be more of a question for the, uh, the MTA's capital planning department, but as the MTA and the Long Island Railroad and the other, the other operating agencies apply for funding for major capital projects to the Federal Transit Administration, for example, or to Albany, to the state, this ridership data, compiling accurate ridership data and making projections is critical to these funding applications. Do you think this train time app, this enhanced data that it provides will be useful going forward, applying for critically needed funding? I would agree, Bill. The, the ridership, 50% um, of the MTA's revenue comes from our ridership. Uh, so the ability to have real-time information, accurate data, um, and not even have to rely on a third party to do that anymore is, is vital. Uh, we've been working with our sister agencies across MTA. Um, buses recently rolled out the ability to provide some real-time data to their ridership. Um, Metro North is working on um, doing exactly what we've done, and I know Transit is as well. Um, so all of this information is going to be a vital part um, because um, the, the millions of riders that the MTA carries, not only vital to um, the New York metropolitan Long Island economy, uh, but the nation's economy, we believe it, it, really, it really feeds uh, uh, restoring the, the, uh, the economic viability of, of the whole country. Um, so we're going to use this in uh, an everyday point to show how uh, ridership is coming back. Um, and how we can continue to improve and make mass transportation um, what it was before and even better uh, with, with the support of um, state, local, and federal funding. It's, it's vital, um, and we know it is. It has been for the railroad here in Long Island, 185 years it's been vital, and we know it's going to be vital for, for the long foreseeable future because um, there's not roads and bridges for people to just simply drive. Mass transportation is an essential component of life. Absolutely. So Phil Lang and uh, Will Fisher, I'd like to thank you for this very informative uh, presentation here. Uh, Kelly Ann Gallagher, uh, Commuter Rail Coalition, thanks for facilitating this. Uh, as I like to sign off on these, uh, we wish you the best, wish you good health, uh, and have a safe day. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.